Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. My lap mo out here. That's right. Back from back from the mountain. Back from exile. Did you miss us? Did you miss me? I know you did. Java 2, not so much. I understand. But it's cool. Apologies, everyone. No, sometimes life happens. It does. It does. But at the same time, you know, gotta try and be uh, be consistent and. We've been being consistent. We've been oh. recording. We've been like well, we've consistent been like until we weren't. Zoom, you know. Yeah, until we weren't. It's the streak's back to zero now. So there you go. That's cool. Just means we can build it up one more time. Yeah, five more years. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Alright, cool. Alright, let's get into it. I know you've missed us. You've missed this. So let's do the thing. Who's in the hot seat? I was gonna say let's go one for one for everyone. Uh, let's do that. Oh, saucy, salacious. <laughs> My question to you guys, if I may go first. Um because I'm sort of wanting to go back to basics. This is uh sort of Bible study one oh one. Where did Cain get his wife? Mm. Oh, saucy. <laughs> I'll let I'll let Robert start this one. Um, do you want to answer this? You mean that Adam and Eve had had more babies, and then Cain was like, "Yo, this one's looking a bit fine," and he, and he took her. So basically, incest. But from Sarah we, was Abraham's half sister. We, we, not from we, we all came from incest. Well, no, we didn't all come from incest, but if <laughs> what? <laughs> no, because like if if Adam and Eve, not even Adam and Eve, because like Adam and Eve did their thing. Oh yeah, Adam and Eve are the well, Noah. After the, the OGs. Earth. Yeah, and Noah comes through. And Noah, Noah comes through. Um, but I guess there would be a bit more. Well, a bit more variation with Noah because. Noah's sons had the wives as well, so mm, mm. yeah. But we're still all half siblings and twice removed, a million times removed, and thing. Mm. Okay, but yeah, that's my answer. Mo, any advance on that? Um, now this, this, these ones have actually like always baffled me. Um, and it's just been from the perspective of like, yeah, like how do we really? reconcile this how do we so yeah was it was it a case of man them just just dating their own sisters and that um but i think my my argument would be and again this is a lot whole lot of inference into the bible into the narrative but um adam and eve didn't actually have children until they were out of the Garden of Eden. Okay. And um it was in the Garden of Eden that we saw only Adam and Eve being 
created. The Bible doesn't say that any others were produced or any others weren't produced um, in terms of creation. But um, with them having been kicked out, God's original intention had had been given up, forfeited in essence. Um, so my inference would be that there were others populated, but then that brings into a sticky situation in that. So did God then create others from scratch? Mm. Um, and if, if he so, did, why did he create them sinful? Mm. But mm-hmm. you could almost argue that, uh, yeah, yeah. So that that brings in a whole different line of questioning that makes things a lot more interesting. Um, but my inference would be that there were others created afterwards. But again, that also... Um, do you know what? I think the easiest answer to give would be Robert's answer. Mm. That would be the easiest answer to give. Um, but the position that I'm leaning towards also begs the question if the Genesis account is literal or poetic or allegorical Mm -hmm. um, in that is not necessarily trying to say this is exactly what happens or what happened Mm -hmm. but rather given an allegory for how humanity came about um so it's almost like a parable sort of account of how humanity came about and there is there is some weight to that um because some people may argue that it's seven days but actually seven ages which would then almost coincide with the scientific understanding of how the earth was formed um and also um recognition of genesis one given a slightly different account to genesis two in terms of the formation of of just everything um mm. also recognizing that genesis one is a lot more top down in terms of divine interaction with with the with the earthly and so everything's was spoken into, into being but then genesis two i believe is a bit more down up where god takes dirt and forms and fashions it and so given that that contrast in um humans being divine in that like god spoke and all of these things there but then humans also being of the earth in that we were taken from the earth and and so there are these two things that have been meshed together mm-hmm. um and so yeah i say all of that to say bro your guess is as good as mine um mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. that's a really good question mm-hmm. and it's yeah i'm just like i genuinely do not know cool and I think both of your answers are, you know, perfectly good because I think the question almost um, incites a greater question, which is, is that the point of the Bible? Was the point, mm. is, is, is the Bible meant to give us a historical account of the creation of the world and the first people in the world? Um, and that's where your you know the 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 argument that is it a poem because it's structured as such um or is it literal um there will always be tension because for all creation stories it's the one that matches uh the closest to what scientists have decided is the thing you know big bang quite literally if you look at big bang post the bang 
it almost, you know, item for item matches what the Bible says, at least in the man in the order in which they're created, you know, life begins in the water and then um on land and, you know, light and all of that. So there is that element of things. But then there's also the Bible wasn't necessarily meant to be a scientific study book or, or scientific yeah. description of the creation of the world. It gives us what now we recognize is actually a very, very close approximation of the of what could have happened. Um, but I don't know if that was the point of it. And thus, you know, was it the first two? Did God create others? Um, how long did it take? Because we also know that they lived for exceedingly long, you know, and yeah. if, you know, people were in those cultures giving birth um, or, you know, getting married and giving birth fairly early, considering they lived so long, you know, how many, you know, decades after Cain's birth, would there be other children that would also grow to childbearing age and, and sort of thing like that? So, yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's interesting, but yeah, the, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer until we get to heaven and actually ask God and, and see what what happened when we are also in eternity and can see all things, sort of thing. Do you think? Do you think once we get to heaven, will like questions like this will even matter to, no. to ask you? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think when when the Bible talks about the elders looking and is the elders or the angels just going holy, holy, holy? I think that's because the holiness is that incredible that there's, you know, I'm not going to go and then start questioning. Oh, so what happened at the beginning when I'm in front of eternity and, and this almighty or powerful God and I'm able to see him and like now, nah, I don't think any of this will matter. I, I think we'll be so enthralled by his majesty and the privilege of being in the presence of such majesty that, you know, everything else will fall to the wayside. So now we so should we just stop saying oh we'll uh, we'll find out when we get to heaven if we get to heaven <laughs> that'll be like the last thing on our mind. Well, yeah, we we probably we probably can we probably can yeah because I don't think we will care when we get to heaven. Is the thing, so. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Um, cool. I want to go next. I want to go next. Go. So my question for you is around John the disciple. Okay. Um, why did he feel comfortable enough referring to himself as the disciple Jesus loved, and what what was it about him that made him feel that he was loved enough to have, to have that title over the other disciples? I've always wondered that, you know. I've always wondered that. I've always been like, hey, this brother's kind of prideful. Fam. Like, how does man like Jesus had twelve, but I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> All of you, so... man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's that's the thing. I don't think it was said in the sense of I was the one that lo- that's loved at the expense of everyone else. Mm. I think it was a recognition of that, you know, that Christ loved him because Christ loved all his disciples. Maybe it was closer to some um, than he was to others. But I think it was more so a recognition which any of the others could have made. But I think that John made because... He, he was humble. Well, I wouldn't even say not humble because David makes similar. Um, David makes similar claims, you know. So, that, that... so does Moses. Moses said he was the humblest man <laughs> who ever walked. <laughs> Am I enough my own heart? <laughs> so, and it's it's interesting that he only, you know, 
you see that, but you only see that in his account of things. And his account of things wasn't necessarily, well, it's not, you know, it's not like the others. It is very much stream of thought and his thing. But also the fact that he was the one that um, Christ entrusted his mother to, his earthly mother, at least. It was John that he entrusted her to. So there was obviously a um, a relationship there that was that was special and that was unique. And I think it was just that John recognized that. And I think John's position on that is one that if we took we'd be we'd be more we'd be more comfortable in our position as children of god if we lived with the recognition that actually god loves us and almost you know in just referring to ourselves said that as a reminder i think it would be um it'd probably be a healthier a healthier position to be in so i don't think he said it at the expense of the others or to the detriment of the others i think it was just a recognition that he had of the fact that god loved it which any of the others could have made but he chose to to make that yeah and i think so sim- ah, i don't i can't even say similar because i'm still wrestling with it um i think it's joseph prince um hopefully i've gotten his name right yeah, that's the um, guy. Yeah, Singaporean. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was saying something along the lines of um, John was practicing the love of God when he made those comments. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that Jesus loved him the most or anything like that, but he was like almost like the one loves yeah like practicing and just reaffirming that god loves him um and so there are like different school of thoughts and stuff there but i do wrestle with that and we do see a proximity we do see um so even when at the passover he was the one who sat close enough to jesus to be able to lean to into Jesus's chest and be like, like, who is it? And Jesus saying to him, it's the person I'm going to be giving this bread to. Um, the other disciples weren't, weren't privy to that. Um, and we do see that he was in the, the three inner cohort. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, again, I generally don't know. I feel like my answers to these questions today have just been, I don't know. Um, but to a degree, I still feel like that's important to not feel forced to be able to give an answer um, when you don't know. But yeah, I, I generally don't know. I've wrestled with that myself. And I do find it interesting that John can be like, yeah, the one whom Jesus loved. And I'm just like, um, Jesus loved all of them. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Cool. I'm happy with that, to be honest. If, if anything, it, that sounds like more of like a Peter disciple thing to do, to call himself the one that Jesus loves. Yeah, facts, <laughs> facts. Oh, that's enough. Flip, no, I'll flip that. Peter disciple would be the person who say, I love Jesus the most, rather than <laughs> Jesus loves me the most. So all of you men are pagans. I'm the only one willing to ride in that. See, I sliced off man's ear. What were you, man, doing? Running around naked. Man's that is, that's effectively what he did, isn't it? That's exactly yeah. what he was like. No, no, no. Even if I have to go and die with you, we'll die together. 
And then some girl goes like, oh, I won't do with him. He's like, nah. Not me, fam. Yeah, okay. My question to you guys is... Um, it's a two-fold question. And it's, it's based on a lecture that I was in this week. So you, man, are going to be slapped with a question that I should have given to the lecturer. Um, how do you guys understand the mission of the church and how it relates to God? So when people say mission, um, some people will create, well, there's a link to evangelism, but the mission of the church as it relates to God. So who God is, like, um, some context, God, like, people understand God as, as a missional God in that he sent Jesus into the world. So, like, he, like our salvation is, is God's work within the earth. So the first missionary is Jesus, or, almost, arguably. Um, but the main question is, in doing mission, how would you, or in trying to go about doing mission, there's like so many different ways of doing it. So many people engaging in different ways. How do we um, interact with those who have been hurt by different expressions of, of mission? So it's not just thinking, oh, cool, yeah, mission is just like going around and shouting at people that Jesus loves them, but recognizing that some people have been hurt by different expressions of mission and that that may be a barrier to them even receiving what you're trying to present. How do we go about interacting with those people even as we try to present the gospel? Okay, so if you don't mind my going first, Robert. Go for it. Um, so two things come to mind. The, the, the church is described as the body of Christ. And it's described as the bride of Christ. And so I would almost um, address that question through those two um, identities of the church. The body of Christ, I imagine, um, is to do what Christ came and and did, which is um, when he was around, what he did was preach the the news about the kingdom, heal the sick, uh, be the defender of the widow and the orphan and those that were disenfranchised um, and uh, sort of challenge religion and the status quo. Um, so I think that's one element of what the church is, is here to do, is do what Christ did when he was here, because we are his body in this world. The bride of Christ is to be prepared for the bridegroom, is to uh, fulfill the prerequisites that have been set in place as one betrothed 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 i can't pronounce the word um i've also got both of it in my mouth so that's why uh, <laughs> but uh you know to, to be prepared for their bridegroom and that's all the um all the rituals and the preparations that are made for a bride um and that's where I also think we, um, the body, the, the, the church is to be pruned and washed and, um, you know, all those things to be presented to a bridegroom as flawless. And so it's those two things, I think, that are uh, our definition to do what Christ did at his body, reach out to heal, to 
careful to um, uh, to to preach the good news, to ultimately point to God, which is what Christ wanted to do, and to be prepared for Christ as His bride. Um, now, how that translates into interacting with people that have suffered maybe a misunderstanding of the function or the mission of the church, I think it's it's in the definition of especially the body part. If if we are to Christ came to heal, if Christ came to um, preach the gospel, if Christ came to bring hope, that's what we should be doing for them as well. We should be seeking to heal the wounds and heal the hurt that they, they've had and do it in the manner that Christ did. And so he acknowledged when, you know, someone had done something or when someone was going through something. He he never he never judged, he never condemned, he never, you know, sent away. Only people he was somewhat harsh with were those that were deciding to turn his father's house into a den of thieves and the Pharisees. So I think we should be doing the same thing. And for those that are hurt, we should be looking to heal and to love and to cover and to bring them in and, and, and sort of uh, revive, you know, as it were. Um, yeah. I think for me, two things came to mind as well. First, I think that uh, when it comes to people being hurt by mission, um, I think that the approach that a lot of Christians go in trying to deal with that is that they'll say, oh, this isn't how Christianity is supposed to be. And, um, and yeah, I don't think as Christians we're supposed to be like the spokespersons for what Christianity should be. <laughs> Um, and I think there's there's we, we take too much. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I think we put too much of of emphasis on what Christianity should be rather than who God is. So it's like you're trying mm-hmm. to you're trying to say, oh, this is what Christianity to be, even though Christianity is about God. So it's like you should be directing the person towards God as opposed to what God has put in place as His chosen way of getting. Um, his his um message out to, um to the people and like as you're asking the question um the image that came into my mind was like a colony of ants and how it's similar to christianity in that um there's one overall um mission but each but but, but each person within the colony or, or like within the church has a specific role to play in that and um like ants have this like intrinsic intris- knowledge of what they are supposed to do within the hive um with us it's it's a bit more complicated and we can we, we can only know what god has called us to do through having a relationship with him like there are there are like basic things as christians we are called to do but it's also that very individual call that god god, god has on our life and um, I think a lot of people may downplay the role they have just because they aren't like a pastor or a bishop and they might just sit on a seat on a Sunday and think okay that's um, this is all I need to do but even in your not titled position you're still called to be a Christian you're still called to do what God has called you to do um, it's almost like for the pastor it's easy you're called to be a pastor and so you're kind of almost always living 
that Christian lifestyle. Um, but if you're if 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 you don't have a position within the church, that doesn't mean that you're any less Christian than someone within the church. And you shouldn't be any less diligent than the pastor or the priest in seeking what it is God has called you to do and to do it. Um, even if that means helping out a soup kitchen, even if, if that means you know, um, creating sandwiches and like giving it to homeless people that you see on the street. Um, it could be anything. And all of those cogs, like people saying we, we are a body and, and each piece of the body has its own function. Even if it doesn't, it, it may not seem like that function is important to how the body runs. Even if you had the large intestines. Yeah, there's a role. And um, it may not seem important, but it is important. <laughs> because like what you do could be the reason that one person comes to Christ. And that is, and that is as important as the pastor who can bring 900 people to Christ. So yeah. I like that. I like that. And I think so, yeah. both of you guys have teased out to varying degrees um, in a different language that essentially is reflecting the heart of God. Um, to whatever capacity or context that you've been pl- placed in, and the heart of God includes healing, like restoration of, of this person. And regardless of wherever this healing, wherever this hurt or pain came from, God's heart is towards this person's restoration. Um, and yeah, I do love your point, Robert, about not necessarily saying, oh, that's that's not Christianity, or blah, 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 but more so reflecting the back to the personal nature of God um, and who he's revealed himself to be both within the scriptures and within the person of Jesus. So yeah, that I like that. I like that. Um so I guess in answering the questions, it's almost how do we understand um, mission is who God has revealed himself to be um, yeah. and how we understand our work as part of that is almost as Peter um, phrased it, twofold in the bride and the body in terms of our, our part in that. Because even part of mission is already in ourself for Jesus' return. Um, and then how we go about like interacting with those who have been hurt is in the same nature as Jesus in that going about like spreading the gospel, healing, like speaking into people's lives. So yeah, I like that. I like that. Cool. Jolly good. That was good. good. That was good. Yeah. That was nice. All right, let's get into today's in today's topic. So have you guys watched Lufro? <laughs> no, I haven't, you know. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you heard. I saw the headline. Yeah, so 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 for those who don't know, Lupe is one um, show on BBC. I've never watched it before, but it starts Idris Alba. I have no idea what he does. Is he? Like, oh, you haven't watched it before. Something? Never watched it before. Oh, Lupe is brutal. Is yeah, a detective? So he, is he, he's is a he detective. Like a detective? Yeah. He's a detective, and it's um, he's a detective, but he's sort of this, um, you know the. Uh, who, who probably like Constantine so not not in the supernatural sense but in the sense of it's like he's almost given up on life if that makes sense like he's he's like that dark and he's he's doing his job sort of thing um and, and yeah the, the people that he he dealt with are, are very brutal and very like uh it's very dark yeah oh. well 
this week, the BBC diversity chief said that, that Luther doesn't feel authentic enough. Because was that the word he said, or do you say he's not black enough? Basically, he said he's not. He he, he doesn't feel authentically black yeah. <laughs> because he doesn't have black friends and he doesn't eat Caribbean food. <laughs> what sort of stereotype is this? <laughs> this is from the diversity leader, by the way. Is a diversity officer or something? Chief, the chief. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then like. I I I I um I, I saw that and I thought it was so funny, and it it reminded me of a skit that RCD World One did recently. Okay. So RCD World One are like these like American black um comedians. Well, there's one Asian guy as well. And they're the um, anime crew, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. the anime house and stuff. Yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the skit was around um like this black guy going to a picture show. And oh, it was yeah, called yeah. yeah, it was called Black Time. It was about like these friends going um, back in time and having like crazy adventures. And then yeah. the guy he was pitching it to kept trying to put black stereotypes in there. Yeah. So like so like slavery. I was like, oh, because you know, because you know, slavery and <laughs> black people go hand in hand. <laughs> and then he asked if they were going to be a rap group. On, and it asked if they were going to go back in time and play a basketball with people. <laughs> All of this nonsense. And then it just got me thinking, like, can black media only work when it is associated with black stereotypes? Or why is it, or, or, or like, why is it only allowed to, um, to be when it's casting black people in a certain way? i.e. Mm. the drug dealers, i.e. the rappers, the basketball players. Um, yeah. yeah. Why can't you just have um why can't you just have a show about, you know, a guy a guy wanting to become um, a butcher and then <laughs> have a film around that. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think the thing with mainstream, the, the the thing with mainstream, and I, I can't even say it as if I've given this like years of thoughts, but what I notice at least is the thing with mainstream is everything has to fit into certain boxes, um, in in the mainstream media, and so you know you get you get certain archetypes or certain, um, you know as as you put it stereotypes that the mainstream is happy with, and so I think when whenever uh whenever you're looking at things that are meant for ma- mainstream they fit into those boxes um and it's not until you have <clears throat> excuse me it's not until you have people that are willing to show that no one group is a monolith and there are differences and there are nuances and individuals that those sort of shows, those sort of ideas, those sort of music end up being on the underground and appreciated by the purists. Whenever it goes mainstream, it then falls in line. We see it in the music industry. We see it with movies. We see it with like skits and stuff like that. YouTube guys or Vine guys go mainstream and then they're making a certain type of thing because you're looking at numbers as opposed to artistry or following you know, following your innovation, it's more what works, you know, and, and this, this is like, if you watch any sort of, um, even YouTube, like, uh, 
gurus or whatever, they'll they'll tell you, yeah, look at your numbers, look at this, and it's like you do. Maybe you do. You have a YouTube channel that's based on your life and what you like doing. You start looking at the videos that pop, and then you start doing more of those. And in order to go mainstream, you start having to fit into the boxes of what was successful. And so I think that's why it, it is because that success almost um, requires that sort of very stringent segmentation of what you can do and where. And it's only, it's seldom that something breaks through that doesn't fit that mold. But then that in and of itself becomes its own thing and everyone starts to do that. And so it's, I think it's just mainstream media and, and the way that it's structured. Mm. Yeah, I think like I remember like like Boondocks being very good at highlighting these yeah. these black tropes and like almost yeah. making fun of them. Yeah, and <laughs> to the extent where it's it's funny, Boondocks was almost prophetic. Like the whole um, N word being different if it's A or E, <laughs> and that being an actual thing that people do nowadays and talk about it. Like, and yeah, it's just it's so funny. It's interesting as well. Um, there's been a few conversations where people have highlighted that um, black trauma sells. Mm. Yeah. And for as long as black trauma sells, it's almost like the need to heal has been taken away. Because you can, you, can, you can live of your trauma. Mm. And so when, like, popular Hollywood films are coming out, black-orientated, for the most part, and I know that good storytelling always has some sort of uh, obstacle that needs to be overcome and, like, barriers and setbacks and stuff like that, but the setting is very much um, around black trauma. And so even, like, when 12 Years a Slave came out, like, film was dope. I went to see it, like, it really got to me. But afterwards, in this conversation, I started to hear these conversations, think about it. It's just like, for real, like, for the most part, black-oriented films that do well, num- numbers-wise, it's almost always about black trauma. So you, you might get, like, um, Black Christmas. Have any of you guys heard about the film Black Christmas? Was that the one that came on Netflix this year? So it's, it's, it's been it's out. It's the old one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard about it. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, there are good black films out that are just about black people just trying to enjoy Christmas or black people just trying, but it doesn't really gain much traction. The ones that do gain much traction are around these things. And, and yeah, so it's... Was, it's was Black Christmas, a, was that a Steve Harvey or was that a T.D. Jakes movie? Ah, that's a good question. Oh, um, both sound terrible to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, unfortunately, I was going to make the point from there that it's not not actually it's not it's not a good point because again, marketing and you know the money will go to what they presume will sell, and and that's not going to sell. You know, what black people having a good time? No, I mean <laughs> we saw the advert and we saw how people responded to it. Was was it Sainsbury's or something? Was like, oh yeah, I don't I don't identify with a black family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you so. thought it was going to be a white Christmas, but all of these adverts <laughs> on the screen. What? Like, us yeah. men don't have Christmas. But I think, to some extent, we. I I don't I don't want to say we, but I think 
we kind of it, it kind of comes down to us because at the end of the day especially at that executive level and then with like the big um production houses it's just greed it's just what sells and so if we don't purchase things if we don't financially support certain things then they won't sell and they won't make that because they i don't really think well i don't know but i'm not of the opinion that there is a conspiracy to sort of keep black minds um miseducated or or keep them thinking like some of the arguments made against 12 years of slave is you keep presenting the image of slavery to keep the black people in a mindset of slavery and i don't necessarily think that's the thing i think it's just greed and it's just this sells and so we do it if it doesn't sell they won't do it and if it it's it who who determines what sells is us and if we buy it and so i think that's why we need to maybe support more nuanced things and and be more open to you know more interesting diverse things and and, and support those and maybe that will make those sell i think um sorry to jump in quickly ownership plays a big part in it as well um where we currently so i've listened to this podcast the destructors the only episode that i listened to um they were talking to show maraca and he was talking about the different avenues he's had to go into to be financially more viable um ever since he started to speak up for different things like finances just plummeted blah 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 but they were talking about like in america all the publishing companies were white owned all the publishing houses are white owned and so before you can as a black person you can have something published it's already been scrutinized by the white corporates to see if this fits if if we can make money and so what you want to say is is filtered through a system and as peter was saying the system is is concerned about trying to make money is concerned about the formulas which they know works they know that all right if you're going to make music it's always good to drop like one or two singles from the album before your thing drops. But then J. Cole kind of flipped that formula on his head and still went out to do to do madness. Obviously, Beyonce did that own thing. And I think ownership plays a major part in it. Because if we don't own the avenues and the mediums with which we're putting content out, we are going to have to pander to the channels in which we're going through to for it firstly to be acceptable. And as Peter was saying, like we should um, support these grassroots stuff. The question also is, if we don't know they exist, how can we support? And so to some degree, there's almost that marketing and stuff that is needed. And for good marketing, arguably you need the funds behind you to kind of spread the word. And so it's almost like a catch-22. Also, I would say that there is the element of not supporting things that are outside of the status quo in terms of so like like an example was like on netflix there was this one show about this this black guy who wanted to become like is it called a millionaire so like so it's like a wine taster kind of guy oh yeah 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 who was in that i remember that yeah 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 that yeah yeah i remember that one yeah yeah, so like, so, 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 so like, I watched that because my babes suggested, oh, let's let's watch it. 
Mm. But if I see that on Netflix, a black guy wants to become a white taster, I'd be like, Skeet. <laughs> well, I, you know, to, to your point, uh, sorry, sorry, finish, finish your point. Yeah, but but then tell me that there's a new, a new what? Anime. Oh, that watch. No, no, no. Power. Even power. Power. No, I haven't watched power. Tell me, like, there's like a Get Out two coming. I'm going to be more interested in that, even yeah. though I know it's about white people trying to take over the black people. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Wait, Get Out was in the okay. Get Out was in the cinema. It's not even time ago. I watched that on the plane, and that's how you know it's old. But it's on the plane. Yeah, yeah, that came out a while ago. Well, okay, so what I was going to say is, to your point, it's platforms like Netflix that allow for some of these stories to be told. Because that, you know, like you said, it's it's a, it's a unique, maybe left of, of center sort of story, but it had it was on a platform and I, I saw it and I didn't watch it because it's not I didn't I don't care about stuff like that. But um it's 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 a fact. But that see that's the thing. There. No but but like if I if it had not been a black person doing it you might have cared about it. No, I wouldn't no. Because Are you sure? Very, very because what I've noticed, at least for me when it comes to Netflix is I'm only interested in things that are have some sort of martial arts in it or some sort of action in it or some sort of horror element to it. So the the whole <laughs> the whole sort of um slice of life uh finding yourself sort of stories don't 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 do it for me anymore. So I've started watching a lot more Korean stuff, a lot more Japanese stuff. Um that's that's just me. But then again it's it's being willing to not just brain dead do everything that everyone else is doing is is the thing is is the thing i think is important it's almost like now this may be a very crude example but it's almost like sexual preferences as we're talking about in the beholding (laughs) beholding eyes the beholding beauty thing was like smash bros in full effect (laughs) grew up in an environment (laughs) where everyone everyone around you is like yeah yeah it's about the breast and bum and then you get conditioned to that so even when beauty mm. isn't presented in like being voluptuous, you can't necessarily recognize it because you've been conditioned to this is what beauty looks like. And mm. so when you grow up in an environment where it's very much like this is what black content looks like, anything that doesn't look like that, you look at it a bit skeptically or you don't mm. think it's as well produced or it's mm. going to be as good simply because you've been conditioned by the environment you're in. And that's why I really enjoy Kevin on stage's angle currently, because he's like, bun Netflix, bun all of them things there. I'm trying to create my own thing. Mm. So he's got like his own app where they produce content. He's got, and he's like, it's specifically black owned where he's trying to put on black females and black male comedians and create black content and stuff like that. And like, the, don't, the dude's bought a Maserati, so he's he's living good. He's living good right now. Um, to the point where he had made a video um, reflect, like, commenting about some something that was happening racially within America. And then he got a lot of backlash from white people. So he made another video, and I was like, I'm sorry, if you think I care. And then just went in for, like, two minutes, just, like, unfollow me, blah 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 I don't care about you man just just like and he 
But because he owns the platform where the bulk of his work goes, there is that freedom to be able to do that. Now, whether or not you agree with what he did or how he went about it, ownership afforded him autonomy and the luxury not to pander to or cater to a situation that if, like, if his, if YouTube was in his pocket like that, he would have to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Otherwise, the algorithm's going to take him down and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I do feel like ownership plays a major part. Gives you that freedom, freedom, freedom. Let's take a... Peter's eyes are like he's like. Mm, I, love I was I, I was hoping I was hoping no one would notice. So, Speak of mine, Peter. It's a safe space. It's not a safe space, but I don't care. Um, the thing with I, I struggle with with the idea of like no, don't first of all, let me let me say this. I love what Kevin Stage is doing. The whole keep your distance thing, I think, is dope. Um, he's sort of I don't know. It, it somewhat seems like he's I, I don't know, I don't know if he is But some of the things he's saying It almost sounded like he's trying to distance himself From being Christian um, I, I don't, maybe I'm just, just <laughs> Maybe that's just uh, Me seeing a particular number Of his things and, and, and uh, getting that impression But yeah, no, it's, it's good I love his um, His uh, remixes of old songs And the videos that he's doing for the keep your distance uh, promo that's that's all dope and, and like you said you know he's doing this thing but i have this thing where i, I don't feel like black owned should be a selling point i think I, even though it, it shouldn't be a selling point it's a necessity if we want to get those those black stories out there that aren't the gangster the the basketball player the rapper because because it's like if you're not going through the the like normal um production companies who are expecting x y and z from their movie then you're given like a bit more freedom in the kind of film you can produce yeah but then that's just indie that's just independent like that so my thing is everyone else that does independent doesn't have to qualify it by their race except for us lot like uh that's not true because like bollywood okay. is is bollywood and that's like yeah India but no bollywood is its own thing bollywood is hollywood for india it's, it's like it's its own thing it's a, it's also a massive thing where there are stereotypes i mean every bollywood is kind every bollywood movie is kind of the same and <laughs> no one can see this so it's cool. <laughs> but you know it, it, almost like nollywood as well like really nollywood they, they all follow okay. a certain formula so it's its own big thing except for it's big to a certain locality but what i mean by by the indie stuff is like you watch a movie like safety not guaranteed which is um based on a it's based on a real life um person who believed that they could time travel and put an ad out and all of that and there's a movie about it it's an independent movie it like it didn't have to be a black owned independent movie or a white owned independent movie which it was featuring majorly um, mostly a, a white cast and I, I get I get I get it to some extent but like I struggle with it being it almost feels like it's just the same thing that's been done to black people being done to others like 
a black well actually you say black owned um and putting on black people i saw that he also put on is it gary owen he he had gary on Owen on one of his things so you know there's some diversity in there but it's like yeah i don't know i just feel like it shouldn't be the folk i shouldn't i shouldn't come to you because you're black owned i should come to you because you do quality stuff i think and, that mm. I, I feel i feel like black content is is similar to what gospel content is when it comes to music Right, if that makes on. sense. No. <laughs> you're going to have to expand, and you're going to have to expand very carefully. Okay, so you see how in gospel music, like, mm-hmm. no matter, like, how it sounds, it's based on, like, it being about God. And that's what makes something gospel. Not, not so much, even though there's, like, a gospel sound. Yeah, okay. gospel yeah, yeah. because, yeah. 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 In the same way, I feel like black art has its own it's like distinct enough that it has its own genre. So like you have comedy, but then you have black comedy. And you know that, that black comedy is different from like a normal comedy, just because of how, just because of like the tropes that are usually within a black comedy. But isn't that creating another monolith on its own? Like if, if, if it can't just all be different types of comedy and all of a sudden there's now a, not all of a sudden, but if there's now a, black comedy that we now have to do certain things to fit into like that's its own issue i think i feel like i feel like some of these categories sometimes they're they're not necessarily intended to be for for some people they are like they set out to create this whole new lane to live in um but it's almost again (laughs) another crazy example it's like martial arts um, some people may set out to um, do to, to create a, an entirely new martial arts style, um, but when we see um, Ip Man Wing Chun, he adapts it. So he still very much wanted to do Wing Chun, but mm. he adapted it um, to bridge some of the flaws and gaps that he thought were within it and that then almost became a subsection and referred to as something slightly different and Mm -hmm. so in some instances um in trying to be unique other people then try find labels to quantify and qualify what you're doing and then that kind of sticks but for some people they actually set out to be like yeah i want to do something i want this to be called black comedy Mm -hmm. and then try stuff all of them things into it and yeah it may have its benefits, it may not. Um, but I don't I don't particularly think that all of them kind of fall into the same category. Um, so yeah, just wanted to drop that in. Yeah. And, and like I feel like with black comedy, you, you go in with a certain expectation about the type of film they're going to have. You, so who's, to watch. who's who's a black like who who does black comedy in black your people. opinion? Black people. <laughs> so so like the death damn comedy. Or if we're looking at films, films like um, Girls Trip, um, Best Man, Best Man Holiday. Anything like of... Tyler Perry. <laughs> no, no, forget Tyler Perry. Tyler, Tyler Perry's a pagan. So, so... I ain't what Tyler Perry's putting in work, you know. He, uh, he is. He, he is. He is. Tyler Perry Studios is crazy. Anyway, oh. outside of, like, the majority ethnic race represented, what's the difference between Girls Trip and Bridesmaids? 
I've never budget. watched Bridesmaids. Okay. If, if they're both like women going out doing something. <laughs> yeah, essentially. CPR, you're the problem. People like you, that's the problem. <laughs> no, so so my thing is like, I don't know. I just feel, I I feel like I, I would. I'd rather I've watched Bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, I have. And I, I found them both equally funny. Like, I find, um, what's his name? Uh, you, you say Def Jeremy, Def Comic Jam. I yeah. find, um, oh, come on, man. Bernie Mac. I yes. find him equally as funny as, uh, I'm trying to think of a white comedian. What's his name? Uh, Michael McIntyre. Like, they, McIntyre. they talk about different things. Sorry? Who's Michael McIntyre? Oh, he's more uh, contemporary. Yeah, yeah, he's been on well, Apollo a few times. If if you watched yeah. Dave back in the day, you would have definitely come across him. Yeah, oh, man, Mac- they, yeah. Bro, he's not as good as Bernie Mac. I, I didn't say as good, but I, I said I find them both funny. Equally, like, yeah, they're, they're both funny, you know. And it, it's it's it, it doesn't. At, at the end of the day, they're talking about like they both talk about the reality of things. Like the, their style of joke is taking you know taking the mic out of the reality bernie mac's talking about his sister's children michael mcintyre's talking about his drawer full of old phones and batteries i can relate to both things and one doesn't necessarily have to be black and one doesn't necessarily have to be white or worse one doesn't necessarily have to be black and the other one just comedy do you see do you see what i mean like why do we have to qualify what the black person's doing by the color of their skin when it's the same thing as what the white person's doing like that's 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 my issue with with all of it. I it can have be a diff- dream. <laughs> it can be different in terms of everyone speaking their lived experience, which will be different. I just don't see why one has to be qualified with something, and the other one can just be this normal thing. One has to be black comedy or black movies or black action or black gospel, and the other one is just gospel or comedy or action like i don't i don't that's that's my that's where my problem is mm. yeah. going to the going to the businesses why does it have to be a black owned business when it could just be a dope business like you know that, that's 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 my thing i think that just that last part about why why, why does it have to be black owned mm. um i i have the feeling that when not so much if it's a black production not so much to do with it being a black production company but actually no i changed my mind i was gonna make a point it doesn't make sense (laughs) (laughs) so let me know Um, if if i'm if i'm to use maybe something a lot closer to home apples and snakes hey peter don't get me trouble don't get me trouble (laughs) please don't get me trouble (laughs) you're the snake bro (laughs) they do (laughs) Moses laughing I'm coming to him (laughs) (laughs) they do dope poetry shows I own the company yeah well well, here's the thing I don't don't know if it's black owned I don't think it's black owned Um, but they do dope poetry shows like um, the the guy that I really like when he came, Apple and the Snakes was the ones that like put him on. Um, Shane Coison, you know, and and I've seen a few Apple and the Snakes stuff. I sub- I subscribe to them, um, and you know, they they just do good poetry, writers and scribes. 
they do dope poetry stuff. They do workshops. They're reaching out in the community. I don't care. I, I don't need to identify writers and scribes as black owned for it to be unique in any way. They do poetry stuff. They do dope poetry stuff. Upland Stakes also do dope poetry stuff. I might lean a bit more towards writing and scribes because they have more Christians in there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, like, I, I just don't see. I, I get it. I get it, considering where we've come from, considering um, historical things. I just think it's, you know, it's it's time where that isn't a selling point, and actually the quality of what we produce is a selling point. Man, I'm not going to touch any, on anything up on this name, because I won't do it. I ain't trying to get into trouble. But we could talk about it off, off, off mic if you want to. <laughs> but yeah, I think, and yeah. I think, yeah, I do, I, I do advise for snakes, but they would tell you pretty crazy. For now. <laughs> as soon as man hands in his resignation alright cool now we can great um, and, and I think what, what you I, I do vibes of what Peter is saying to a degree where it's like we shouldn't only pay attention to something because it has the qualifier black um, oh this is a black movie alright cool let's go watch it it's like no, it's it's just a good movie. If it is, then let's 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 invest. Let's watch it. Yeah. Whether it's indie, whether it's backed by Warner Brothers or not, it's just a good movie. Let's let's back it. Let's let's in, let's engage with it. Let's let's um, be behind it. I think, but that's almost in an ideal world. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And yeah, and th- there's almost this 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 recognition again coming back to exposure the amount of obstacles that these people, these things would have had to have faced to get to where they are just by virtue of ethnicity or the, the cultural environment where this thing is being nurtured from. Um, and so um, just by virtue of who X may be in comparison to a Black-owned company, they may X may find it easier to get funding and to get... Um, like call outs and shout outs and opportunities to be able to put their work out as opposed to the black owned company, just by virtue of, of the makeup and nature of the organization. Um, and again, there's, there's those obstacles um, mm. where um, historically we have recognized that banks were more generous and lenient to give money in, to intentionally black denying yes. black. Yeah, in, in some cases. And so, yeah, yeah. And so it's like just the, the, the struggle again, coming back to capitalising on black struggle, but just how difficult it has been to get to a certain point um, to be seen as good enough or whatever, then presents this challenge to just be like, all right, maybe the, these groups of people aren't actually getting as much um, structural support um, or whatever they need to actually get into these spaces. And so that then puts an emphasis on how can we as a, as a community get behind these people to help them get into the spaces where the other people are at. Um, whilst at the same time trying to be like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to go to that Jamaican shop, but like your customer service is a bit whack still. Yeah. You know, like that, where it's like still trying to keep the community accountable, yeah. even whilst invested into the community. Um, and I also yeah. think there's, I also think there's, there's an element of <clears throat> expecting or hoping that 
something that's black owned will handle something with more care than if you left it in the hands of a white person so that's okay so like so like an an, an example that is similar but not is wonder woman um okay. so if so like if you look at how wonder woman is was in justice league movie compared to in wonder woman um like someone so someone made this distinction but in the wonder woman movie which was directed by a woman you don't get as many if any shots of wonder woman's backside compared to <laughs> in the justice league movie well in which justice league movie uh the first one yeah yeah <laughs> there are some interesting angles in that one <laughs> yeah and and so by like having like a a, a woman director yeah. um like she is privy to how women are perceived in movies and so yeah. she made sure that that kind of stuff didn't happen yeah yeah um, no so i, I way, mean it, it, uh, in the same way the, the way a white person handles black tropes would be a lot different to how a black person handles white tropes I mean, I think that's why Black Panther was so successful was it was handled by someone who literally went there, lived it, but also by virtue of their um, their being black, actually lived it much more authentically than if it was handled by executive. That I disagree with. That, that oh, I disagree really? with. Yes. Okay. <laughs> being African-American is not the same as being African. <laughs> no, but what I mean by that is because when um, Ryan Coogler... And I think Chadwick Boseman actually went to, they went to South Africa and I think some places in Nigeria or something. Um, just by virtue of how you are treated, but as a, as a, because when you're, when you're in Nigeria, unless you, any black person in Nigeria, unless you speak and there's an accent, you are another black person, you're the same. And so you get to live, you get to live the, the realities um, a little bit more closely than if you, uh, a white person that goes there because automatically by a white person being there you are already seen you, you're identified as a foreigner and so there's certain things that you want to experience and so that was part of um ryan coogler i think i watched like a director's interview or something and but, what, some of the things that he took from those experiences like he even i think he said he he wouldn't he he he, he was walking around with like his translator and he wouldn't say anything he would just observe so that he doesn't taint the experience and that's what I mean is he has the opportunity now to live that experience more authentically because there aren't those unintentional um, filters being put up by virtue of seeing someone of a completely different race to you. Oh. Yeah. And also the fact that he even chose to do that, chose to actually go into those African countries and, and do that and, and bring on like his costume designers were all of African heritage. And yes, the American African, but still like, their 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 understanding of the African thing that they were trying to do. The, the the reason I think Black Panther was so good was it was an authentically African um superhero. Like everything down to the accent to the 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 the, the clothing, the the representation that was there um of the southern African countries and the kente that the guy was wearing. Even though he was wearing it in a completely wrong way, but it was there. He was wearing a Proper Kente cloth. Um, That's the African American in them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, all of these things, I, I think, yeah, I, 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 I get what you mean there. Um, I get what you mean there for sure. But I think that's 
slightly different, but I, I get it. I get it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's wrap that because 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 we've been talking for a while. Yeah. Uh, unless anyone has any should, should, should we give a double episode because we missed last one, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have the stamina for that today. Unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe one day though. It'll be, it, might, it might be nice to, no, to do a double. Oh, we could chop up into two parts and then. Yeah. Shout out, David. If David sees, if David sees it's like seventy-six minutes, he will text me like, "Yo, why?" <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to David, man. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Now nah, let's let's round it up. I don't think this this is one that we will kind of mine to the bottom. No, 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 I don't it's, think we have. It's to. very nuanced, and yeah. there's arguments on both sides, and I, I, and I then there's agree. understanding as well. I, yeah. I get where I get where one's coming from. So it's like the like one thing that I know that Peter pushes back against a lot is um, boxes, things fitting <laughs> in boxes and stuff. Um, but recognizing that as humans, we almost need boxes to know how to interact with something um, more easily. Mm. Um, and that removes the the requirement to actually get to know this thing. Um, so I can I can just interact with a with a young child in school because I know that your your ex you kind of fall into these categories. So I can just interact with you like this off mm. the off the bat. And yeah, not not having to actually recognize that oh no this this is Kojo and Kojo likes this or whatever. Mm. I can just be like oh this small boy and then yeah kind of go off <laughs> off on that tangent. So yeah, there's as 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 a human race, we we love boxes, even though they are crutches, and mm. to be able to recognise when we're leaning too much on those crutches, at the expense of what we're actually trying to build, um, but still recognising the crutches when they are beneficial. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys, that was a good comeback episode. Well done. Well done. Jolly good. Jolly good. Jolly good. Um, cook ups. Yeah, cool. Um, oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Um, I was going to recommend a YouTube. It's, it's not actually, it's on YouTube, but it, I think uh, it's there's a there's a website for it that I'll link below, but it's a series called The Chosen, um, which is about Christ. Um, and yeah, it's just really, really well done. Uh, so I'll link it. I think it's called, I'm trying to bring up the um, uh, website now. Yeah angelstudios.com uh, watch.angelstudios.com slash the chosen um, yeah it's a really good depiction of the gospels and of Christ and who he was um, so check it out the chosen um, and it's free as well so there you go mine is a song a specific song and this song was in an album that was released in 2004 I'm on Spotify right now, and I'm like, rah, it's the old school. Yeah. Um, by Israel Houghton. <laughs> or is it Houghton? 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 Whatever. And The New Breed. The mm-hmm. album is live from another level. And um, the song is called Here I Am to Worship. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, it's a classic. That, here I am. It's like worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to yeah, yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, old school banging thing. Old school, and and it's, it's here I am to worship slash you are good. Um, mm. and I think 
the part of the song that really causes me to reflect is in the Here I Am to Worship part, where they just repeat, I'll never know how much it costs to see your um to see you sin upon that cross. Just just that part there. Um it and just them going over and over just causes me personally to just be like it's a powerful song, I see. Yeah. 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 Like I I will never know just how much it costs to see that. Yeah. So yeah. Um and then it goes into so here I am to worship. So it, it gets me to reflect on, on like what Christ actually did, and me not even being able to come close to recognizing the way of that, and then moving into, fam, I need to worship people, bro. Like, yeah. like on the road, yeah. So that's that's my that's me. So my hookup will be a film, old school film, um, Memento. Chris Nolan ah. yeah watched it again I watched it last week I was like oh I love this film yeah so for those who don't know it's about this guy who he, who can't make new memories so like he remembers his life up to a certain point that point being when his wife was raped and murdered in front of him and from that point onwards he can't make new memories so anything that so let's say something happened like 10 seconds ago in 20 seconds he'll forget it ever happened and so with this condition he's trying to find the killer of his wife and use his tattoos on Paula Royce to try and put the clues together so that he can find out who the killer of his wife was. Really good film. Really, like, I have to think a bit as you're watching it. But I like it. It's one of my favourite films. So, yeah, check it out. Memento. I know the film. I just haven't watched it. So I might need to check that out. Is that on Netflix or something? It's not on... Where, where did I watch it? I watched it on... Did I watch it on Netflix? Even Netflix or Amazon Prime is not, it's not one of them. It's, it's legally available. <laughs> yes. Actually, hold on, hold on. Let me check my download folder, see if I downloaded it. <laughs> Why would you say that on the podcast? Anyway. Oh, no, no. It's in my download folder. <laughs> I'm sure you can get it on Google Play or something. You can, but you have to pay for it, though. And I was not about to do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do I need to edit this out? No. I stand firm in my activities. Unlike some people. Unlike some people. Talk about apples and snakes, but he's trying he's trying to expose himself on this. Stand firm in your activity, It is on Prime. It is on Prime. Yeah, it's on Prime, but but, but you have to pay for it. No. Do you? Yes. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. (laughs) Are you exposing yourself now? No, 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 because I've got Amazon Prime. So do I. You know what? Peter's a pagan, and I, I won't expose him now for what he did. But we could talk about it later. How about that? Anyway. Shout out to me. Uh, excuse sorry. me, PR. I'm trying to do my outro. <laughs> Shout out to me for the intro. Outro hey, music. Also, oh my. Kombat. You purpose. You purpose. You pay good. Mortal Kombat is out soon. This month. So check it out. I feel like Robert was about to say, I ain't doing it no more. You know, you do the outro. How about that? You do the outro. I'm not doing it this week. You can do it. <coughs> I'll copy. I'll copy it from last week. Uh, from last week. <laughs> you do that, PR. You do that. <laughs> so yeah, um, shout out to Richard, outro music. Cameron Turner, Audrey, Amazing logo. Twitter.
Twitter at the Furnace UK, Instagram TBS Furnace, email tbsfurnace.com, soundcloud.com forward slash Blacksmith's Furnace, all good podcasts and websites and apps, including Spotify, iTunes, the Blacksmith's Furnace, with an apostrophe. Cool. Well, this is the Blacksmith's Furnace signing out. Blau.